Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. We're going to define what is repentance. We're going verse by verse through the book of Romans. We're in chapter number two. Look at verse number four. The Bible says, or despiseth thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. One basic thing that we can pull out of this verse is that God leads. He wants to lead you. If you're saved, you've already been led there. If you're not saved. He wants to lead you. Our message is when we go out, God want, he wants to lead you to this place of Repentance. He's a good God. Before we get to what repentance is, let's go over and define what repentance is not. Go over to John chapter number 20, because it's important to say that repentance is not penance. If you were brought up in the Roman Catholic religion, you were taught penance. You would do wrong. You would go and confess your sins to a priest. And then that priest would absolve you of your sins as a mediator between man and God. And as you did penance, you were told to do some works that would merit you remission of sins. And one of the verses that they go to is John chapter 20. And let's read verse number 20, 22. We'll start at. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, receive ye. The Holy Ghost, you could say right here, the start of the church, everything happened that could happen. Christ died, rose again, and now he appears to his disciples. He breathes on them. They get life. In Genesis chapter number two, they got they got life. That was the Gentile got life. John chapter 20 here. You could you could very well say that the church started right here. Um, but it says in verse number 23, whoso, uh, whosoever sins you remit. They are remitted unto them, and, who's, and, and whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. Um, the apostles, they, they weren't given authority by God to forgive individuals. You and I can't go to a priest or a preacher, for that matter, and have that priest, have that preacher forgive you individually of your sins. David said, against thee, the only have I sinned. He sinned against God. Ultimately, our sin is against God. Even when we sin against each other, we're sinning against God. The apostles' ministry on earth was guided by, what did we see in verse 22? Their ministry was guided on earth by the Holy Spirit. And they were commissioned to preach the gospel under the guiding and the leading and the power of the spirit. And those who believed that gospel had their sins forgiven. That's why Peter, he ends up saying, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Peter and or none of the apostles individually had the power to forgive anybody of their sins. So we don't, Go to a priest to have this type of penance slash repentance happen. 
repentance is not penance. It's not getting your sins forgiven by a priest who tells you to do some good works. Repentance is also not reformation. That's the cart before the horse. God expects some things from us. But by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works. Lest any man should boast. So there's no boasting. Repentance is not reformation. It's not putting the it's not it's not the cart before the horse. And this this lies the very root or problem with any type of lordship salvation style gospel presentation. What do I mean by that? Okay, after you are, are saved, does God expect you? To love him enough to keep his commandments. He does. We see all through the book of Acts. Everybody in the book of Acts that trusted Christ. Lived differently. <laughs> okay. They did. And you know. If you've been here any length of time. That I teach and preach. That God expects you. To live more holy today than you did yesterday. He expects you. To. To. Witness this month if you've not fulfilled the Great Commission last month. And we can just go on down the line of all these things. I don't believe a Christian should be involved in any sin. But this lordship style type of evangelism or salvation that says you've got to repent of your sins. In other words, you've got to clean up your life. And then come to Christ or somehow merge those two together somehow. It's out of line. You don't have to give up your sins to be saved. A matter of fact, that's one of the harshest forms of work salvation that you can ever come up with. Salvation is of God. It's not of man giving up his sins. Because as soon as you give up one sin, you got something that rooted up over here that's another sin. And as soon as you give up that sin, you got a, you got something, a seedling that popped up over here. You'll never get saved. Because <laughs> in the process of you trying to repent of your sin, you keep that just popping up all over the place. And then you get saved on Monday and then Tuesday you find out you did something else wrong. I'm saved. I trusted Jesus Christ as my savior. You know what I do daily, or at least I should do if I'm not. I, I mindfully try to strive to do this. And I would ask you to strive to do this as well. You know what I do? Repent of my sins. You have a repentance unto salvation. But then you have after you're saved, you're still repenting. What, to get saved again? No. Of the sins that you've done. Do you see? It's like the word salvation. Remember we ran all those verses. And we said that there's a spiritual salvation in the Bible. And there's a physical salvation in the Bible. And we've got to rightly divide. The same with repentance. Repentance. You must preach it. But after someone is saved. They still need to repent. Not to get saved again. But because they need to get their life cleaned up. They desire 
to live for the Lord. People say you must surrender your life to Christ. Except the problem with that is in order to get saved, it was Christ who surrendered his life for you. Now, after you're saved, now Romans 12, present yourself a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. But we can't put the cart before the horse. Christ paid for my sins. The payment is done. Nothing else is owed. It's his surrender on Calvary for us. Not our surrender on earth to him in order to get saved. It's after we get saved. Now we have a debt that we owe. For our sins? No, that debt's been paid for. We have a debt that we owe to mankind. We have a debt that we owe to those we come in contact with. We have a debt that we owe to this town. That they would know Jesus Christ came to die for their sins. Romans 14 says, for whatsoever is not of faith is sin. You mean to tell me you gave up all your sins because anything that's not of faith is sin? It's going to be an impossible task. And this little commandment system that isn't really, they're, they're trying to not call it a commandment system. It ain't working. It ain't working. It ain't working. I don't know if you're going to find a preacher in town. You might find two or three. You might find three or four that are going to preach hard and fast against sin. But I don't think you're going to find more than half a dozen per town in the United States. that are going to preach hard and fast against Christians repenting of their sins and getting rid of their sin. We need more gospel tracts for Christians. Okay, <laughs> They've already been saved. we got gospel tracts for the lost. We need gospel tracts for, for Christians. They think every sin on earth they can do because God saved them by their grace. God gives the answer back and says, God forbid. What are you nuts? I added that part. That's a <laughs> but he does say, God forbid. Paul himself in Romans 7 under Holy Spirit's inspiration says, oh, wretched man that I am. Man, I'd love to be a Paul. Wouldn't you? Just sold out for God. Yet he says, oh, wretched man that I am. The thief on the cross answers a lot of questions. And he answers this question of any type of lordship style salvation that comes into the equation. Whether you call it that or don't call it that or try to tweak it because you don't want to be called a name. If you fall in that theological camp, the thief on the cross answers that question. No baptism. No good works followed. No reformed life. Well, he would if he if, if he had the chance. Okay, but he didn't. And he wasn't given the chance. He had no transformed life, yet he was instantly saved when he said, Lord. Now, if you want to call that lordship salvation, amen, hallelujah, and glory to God. I'm all for it. He called on him, Lord. He called on the Lord. 
remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And he was instantly saved. Repentance is not reformation of life. Your reformed life, your better life, comes after you've trusted Christ, as well as your baptism. That makes sense. Everybody getting getting this? Uh, Lot in Genesis thirteen, he made a bad move. What was Lot's bad move? He pitched his tent towards Sodom. wasn't a good choice for him. He should have known better. Genesis 14, the result of his poor choice, he ends up losing his goods. He ends up losing his property. Abram helps him get it back. Praise the Lord. But by Genesis 19, he hears the news that God is going to destroy Sodom. He hears it. And he seemed as one that mocked. That's a lot. When the angel told him to get out or you're going to be consumed in the iniquity of the city, he lingered. That's law. Doesn't seem like a lot of evidence in his life. We all know what happened to his wife when she looked back. She turned into a pillar of salt. You know what that tells me? You know what that tells you? You can take someone out of a carnal city. But you take you cannot take the carnality. Out of a carnal Christian. You can help them relocate. But they're looking back. Because they there's some desire. There's some longing for whatever that was. We're going to start to look at what repentance is. And that will kind of tie in a little bit better with the message. Why'd she look back? What's exciting about that? I'm telling you, I'm saved. I have no regrets there's nothing i'm looking back on saying man i wish i could do this again <laughs> you're bought with a price lot ends up in a cave in the mountains of zoar and through incest his two daughters get him drunk and through sexual immorality his seed goes on it's a pretty sad life isn't it it's a pretty sad life Get Second Peter chapter number two. Second Peter. Second Peter chapter number two. Second Peter chapter number two. Repentance is not a reformation of life. Look what it says. Not for salvation, it's not. Verse 7, and delivered just Lot. The word of God says he was just. Vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. Watch what God says. For that righteous man dwelling among them. He's righteous? In seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul. His soul's righteous from day to day with their unlawful deeds. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under the day of judgment to be punished. What we see in verses seven and eight, you know what Lot lost? 
he lost a whole lot of opportunity to serve God. But God says he was righteous. Because it's not how you live your life before, during, or after your conversion experience. And I have to be careful when I say that because I'm not trying to communicate to you that it doesn't matter how you live Monday. Because it absolutely does matter. But whether all of us men go home tonight and fuss with our wife and throw something at her and smack her around and go out and get drunk and do stupid stuff, wicked stuff, we don't lose our salvation. I am not saying that as a license to do those types of wicked sin. But what I'm saying to you is we got to be careful about putting all these real big sins up here that if a Christian does that, well, there's no way they could be saved because any sin is enough for God to drop you and I into, into hell. Any sin. If any of us fellows go home and treat our wife like that, you know what we lose? Fellowship with our wife <laughs> and our God. And we lost a whole lot of opportunity to set a good example to our neighbor and to our children. And we that's a lot. That is a lot. He lost all kinds of opportunity to service uh, for God's service. He greatly, greatly influenced his family. He lost his property and he ended up committing horrible sexual immorality. But he didn't lose his salvation. And you can end up in your life doing the same. He should have separated from Sodom, but his righteous soul was vexed by all the wickedness and, 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 and iniquity that was going on. God does expect some things from you after he saved you. Ephesians 2 says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. 2 Timothy 3 says that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. I hope you're living a life, if you're saved, of good works. The Bible says in Titus chapter 2, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify himself, a peculiar people, zealous of good works. He wants you to be a peculiar people. He wants you to have good works. He's redeemed you from all iniquity. Don't get involved in any of it. Yes. God expects something from his children. Just like you and I as parents or grandparents expect something from our children. But no matter what they do or don't do, they cannot not be my children. Amen. And no matter what you do or don't do, if you've trusted Christ, you cannot not be his child. You might have some broken fellowships and broken relationships and a horrible life here, here on earth where you did no service for God. And when you get to the judgment seat of Christ, you're basically going to get nothing. OK. We're not going through all the judgments in the Bible. I'm just saying <coughs> you're going to lose out on some things, but you're not going to lose your salvation. Lastly. So repentance is not penance. Repentance is not reformation. Repentance is also not, I'm sorry I got caught. 
Go to 2 Corinthians 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. There's a lot of people that are sorry they got caught. Because they got caught. Well, this person shouldn't be doing that sin. They really couldn't be a Christian because I called them doing, oh, quit. You did the same stuff. You just didn't get caught. <laughs> people need to be real careful about who they point the finger to. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse number 10. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. What is repentance? It's godly sorrow. Repentance is godly sorrow. That's what repentance is. But the sorrow of the world worketh death. The sorrow of the world is the shame involved with you and I getting caught sinning. It's like when we have a little slip up in the home and we get into an argument with our spouse and the kids hear it. Oh, sorry, kids. <laughs> we'll go out back and fight. <laughs> we got caught. It's the kids at school sneaking around back smoking cigarettes. Oh, there's the, the teacher caught us. Now you're in trouble with mom and dad. Mom and dad, I'm sorry. You're not sorry. You just got caught. That's called death. It, it's nothing. Repentance is not, I just feel bad. I just feel sorry. That's the sorrow of the world. And you know what the Bible tells us in this verse? We need to repent of that. In other words, we need to repent of bad repentance. Repentance to salvation is not penance. It's not reformation. It's not, I feel bad I got caught doing a sin. Repentance is, we'll start off with, what is repentance? It's godly sorrow. Repentance is godly sorrow. Repentance is godly sorrow. Repentance is a change of mind. It's not a change of life. A change of life results, and there's evidence, but that result and evidence will not be evidenced the same way in everybody. Matter of fact, you might not see evidence that you think is enough evidence. Look at Lot's life. But God does expect his people to live right. But if we start being the evidence thermometer, we're going to get ourselves in trouble. In other words, why don't you do what God wants you to do? And I'll do what God wants me to do. <laughs> well, that's an easier way to take it. Here's your ticket to heaven. Here's your get out of hell free card. Just like the Monopoly game. Here's the Jesus that you really don't care about and don't want to serve. You just don't want to go to hell. You got no interest in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is just a vending machine to people. I'll put him, just put... put Give me my car. Give me my ticket. Let me punch my ticket. Let me get my candy bar. I'm going to heaven. No, you're not. You're going to hell is where you're going. Because you didn't repent. You just wanted a candy bar. 
and you got a sweet tooth. And Jesus Christ isn't a candy bar. He died for your sins. I'm telling you, a lot of these people, they come down on the Catholics because they want the, you know, Catholics, well, you go do your penance. You go, you go flip your little Hail Mary beads of, of, of do-gooding prayers. I'm telling you, there's some other groups that do the same stuff. I don't care what denomination you put on it. You are not going to do something to merit God's favor. So don't call that repentance. Repentance is godly sorrow. Repentance is a change of mind. What is repentance? Godly sorrow, change of mind. Go to 1 Thessalonians 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1, please. First Thessalonians chapter number one, look at verse number nine. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you and how ye turned to God from idols. Notice it doesn't say turned from idols to God. It's interesting the way that it's worded. You turned to God from idols. You're facing God. Your back is turned to the idols. And what is repentance? It's godly sorrow. It's a change of mind. Repentance is a turning to God. You left what you were serving. And now. What does it say? Uh, turn to God from idols. To serve the living and true God. Turn to God from idols. You didn't bring the idols with you. You didn't have the God of Shintoism. You didn't have the God of Hinduism. You didn't have the God of Islam. You didn't have the Roman Catholic God. You didn't have the world, uh, the worldly um, self-help guru God. You turned to God and you didn't bring any of them with you to put on the shelf. Repentance is you're turning to God. Repentance is godly sorrow. Repentance is you have a change of mind. Acts 26. See if we can get something out of that one. Acts 26. Verse number 20. Watch what it says here. But showed first, Acts 26, verse 20, unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coast of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent and do work so you can show God you're worthy of being saved. Except it doesn't say that. And turn to God and do works meet for repentance. Now, let me stop here and say, if you think you're going to do works that work merits you worth for salvation, you and I are dead wrong. No one, no one can impress God with self-righteousness. It says that they should repent and turn to God 
and not do works to show that they're worthy of salvation. It says, and do works meet for repentance. So let's break this down a little bit. Does the Bible say you are bought with a price? Now glorify God with your body. Is that what it says? It does. Does it say, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men under justification of life? Is it a free gift? Yes. It is a free gift. Then do works meet, do works worthy of, do works that are comparable to the value of the salvation that was so freely bestowed upon you. And if you trust God, you're not going to want to serve the devil anymore. You don't bring those devil idols with you. Appreciation is completely gone in this world. Employees don't appreciate their bosses anymore. Bosses don't appreciate their employees anymore. They just treat them like herding cattle. Families are breaking down because there's no appreciation for what mom did or dad did with the children. There's no appreciation from the parents that, man, he gave it his best shot. He's trying. It's completely gone. You and I come face to face with the value that salvation is in our life. We will so appreciate what God did for us. That we will do works meet for repentance, worthy of, comparable to the value of what God has freely bestowed upon you and I. You know what living a godly life does? It doesn't get you saved. It doesn't even really prove you're saved. Because some people who are living a quote-unquote good life haven't trusted Christ. But you know what living a godly life does? It proves that you hold a high value for what God did for you. And you so appreciate it that you want to offer your body a living sacrifice to him. John Wesley said this, do all the good you can by all the means you can and all the ways you can and all the places you can and all the times you can to all the people you can as long as ever you can. Man, I wish I would have wrote that quote. That's, a, that's good. I don't like everything about John Wesley. Well, I like, well, how about that? That's good. That's good. We should strive to live that way. Repentance is godly sorrow. Repentance is a change of mind. Repentance is turning to God. Go back to Acts chapter 20. Repentance is also toward God. Well, I thought you said it's to God. It is, but it's toward God as well. Acts chapter 20, look at verse 20. Acts chapter 20, verse 20. And I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you. But have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks. Here it is. Repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't toward the same as to? No. 
there's a slight difference. I am turning to God. That's repentance. But I'm also turning toward God. That's repentance. What's the difference? The destination is to. When you turn to God. I, I say I, 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 am tur- I turn to God. To is the final destination. The destination of the movement. It's finalized to God. Toward is the direction of the movement. It's not the final destination. Meaning, I turn in the direction of God. That's toward. Toward is the direction. To is the destination. Which one? Both. You have a final destination to God. But you are turning toward him as well. And you're headed in that direction, and then you get to God. Both are there. You've offended God. You've sinned against God. You've turned your back on God. And now you're going to turn toward him in repentance. You're heading in that direction. And then you get to God, the final destination. That's the only slight difference. Toward is the direction. To is the destination. Repentance is to God. It's turning toward God. It's godly sorrow. It's a change of mind. You know why Judas had false repentance? Because he didn't turn to God or toward God. It was false repentance. He just felt bad. He just felt bad. We're all as an unclean thing. And all our righteousness is as filthy rags. Probably the greatest picture, go to Luke 15, of repentance is found in Luke chapter 15. Famine came after the prodigal son spent all of his inheritance. It's pretty low down when you end up having to eat the husks that the pigs would eat. But that's where he's at. And it's a beautiful picture of repentance. Look at verse number 17 in Luke 15. And when he came to himself, you've got to get to this point. What is repentance? Change of mind, godly sorrow, turning to God, turning toward God. It's coming to yourself. Repentance is also coming to yourself. And you realize, let's keep reading. He came to himself. He said, how many hard servants of my father's have bread enough? And to spare, I perish with hunger. Repentance is you come to this point where you realize you are perishing. You realize that you are starving. I will perish with hunger. You offer an American kid French fries, a hot dog, and a soda pop. One sense, he don't care. He gets that every day. It's in abundance. You can go to six different fast foods and still have six more you haven't hit. You offer a kid dry rice, 
lima beans, and stale bread, he'll be insulted. You offer that to most American kids, and if the school served that on Monday, you know what they do? They'd go home and complain to their parents that the school didn't feed them. The bread was stale, Mom. The rice was dry. They only gave me a half a cup of lima beans. That boy we were talking about last night or Thursday night, it was starving. And the photographer, the, the photojournalist that won the Pulitzer Prize because of that, and that boy in, 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 in Africa laying down on his hands, on his elbows and his knees with his forehead on the ground, so emaciated because he's trying to go to the food bank to get some food and there's a vulture there and he chases the vulture off. You offer that boy some stale bread and a half a cup of lima beans. That boy will run to you. That boy will not complain. He will wrap his arms around you and say, thank you, thank you, thank you. We don't appreciate God the same way we don't appreciate what we have here in America. Repentance is you're running to God. You're not complaining to God saying, I would come to you if I had French fries and a soda pop and something. You're running toward him. You're running toward verse number 18 shows this. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. Notice the two again. I know we already explained it and talked about it. He says, and go to my father. That's his destination. That's that two is his final destination. That's fixed. That's not changing. He says, uh, he says, I have sinned. He came to himself. Adam and Eve sinned one time. It was the first sin one time. God's judgment came down. He didn't let it slide. He says, um, in verse 19, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. He came to himself. Repentance is you come to yourself. You realize you're a sinner. You realize that you're, you have no worth. Make me as one of thy hired servants. A child that talks back to his parents is worthy of God's judgment. We've disobeyed God. We're worthy of his judgment. I'm not worthy, God. Just make me a hard servant. I got nothing to offer you, God. Just make me a hard servant. It's not, I'm not worthy, God. Let me be a hired servant so I can earn your, no. You make me the servant, Lord. You make me into something. A, a reformed life comes after you have trusted Christ. Because only Christ can make you into anything. Anything that's that's good. Verse number 20. And he arose and he came to his father. He was a great way off. 
His father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Praise God. His destination is fixed. He got to the father. <laughs> Praise God. What's the father doing? Running toward him. This idea that God's only got a salvation plan in mind for some people and not another. I don't see it. I don't see it. Anybody that turns to God and turns toward God, God will run in that man's direction. He wants all to come to know him. People say uh, people use this. Go to Matthew uh, Matthew seven. We'll do one more thought, uh, maybe two more, a long thought, a short thought. We'll finish up here in a second. Uh, let's go to Matthew chapter seven. People always say, "Well, where's the evidence?" Okay, what evidence? Well, this evidence. Okay, how much of that evidence do you need? Let me ask you this too: How do you know you're looking at the right evidence? Well, this is other stuff you're not looking at. We got to be real careful. About looking at someone's life and trying to determine whether or not they're saved. We'd be better to look, just look at our own life. These preachers, they always want to preach against somebody that's trying to do something for God. Why don't you just preach what you believe? <laughs> Why? <laughs> so, Matthew, 20, uh, Matthew 7, verse 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of the Father, the will of my Father, which is in heaven. This is Jesus speaking. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Now, anybody that teaches a lordship style salvation, whether... You want to call it that or not, it doesn't matter. This style of salvation that says, well, you see, you need to have all this evidence in your life and repent of all your sins and get your life all cleaned up and make the Lord, make Jesus Lord of every aspect of your life, which none of them have the Lord as every aspect of their life, by the way. That's a tough pill that you're trying to get people to swallow. Um, you know what John 6 says, the will of the Father is? Well, they're not doing the will of the Father. And so there's no... Go to John 6. I'll show you what the will of the Father said. John 6, verse number 40. Because Jesus defines the will of the Father as this. John 6, verse 40. And this is the will of him that sent me. That would be the Father. That everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life and i will raise him up at the last day what's the will of the father you would believe on him Amen. that's the will of the father that you would believe on him not that you would present enough evidence for someone to be able to say well you're safe well you're not in the kingdom you are no you're not well you're in monday but you're not in tuesday you might have convinced us you were in monday but the way that you're living nah that guy couldn't have been saved I'm telling you, we got to be careful about looking at people's life. And that is not to say we shouldn't live a life for God. You know, you know, I don't believe, you know, I believe we should. You want to commit your way to Christ? Great. You want to commit your, the way you live is godly and holy and righteous? Good. You know what that's called? Christian service, not salvation. It's Amen. service, not salvation. And that's a lifelong process. We are going to continually learn how to be better servants. 
And if you never did the will of the Father in John 6, 40, then you're not saved. People profess Christ, but they don't possess Christ. You can't trust works. And when you try to get someone to trust their behavior as their savior, that's a bad road to go down. You can't trust your behavior. You must trust the savior. Well, doesn't a peach tree produce peaches? Well, you see there, you need to have evidence. I get you. A peach tree should produce fruit. Sometimes in seasons, it doesn't. Is it not a peach tree? Sometimes it gets hit with a whole lot of poison. It's half dead. It's still a peach tree. How much peaches does it have to produce for you to believe that it's a peach tree? We got to be real careful. I understand this lordship style salvation is a trying to answer the fact of easy believism. Where there's no change of mind, there's no turning to, there's no godly sorrow, there's no turning toward. It's just make some mental ascent to the things I'm saying and now pull my finger and say this prayer and do a jumping jack and now you're in the kingdom. That's a ditch on the whole other side that we talked about last week. But I want to point out something in Matthew 7. Look at look at uh, where we were at. What are they trusting in? Many of you uh, will say to me, verse 22, in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? That's a word. And in thy name have cast out devils. That's a word. And in thy name done many wonderful works. Wonderful works are works. You know what they're trusting in? Works. <laughs> and if you're trusting in works, God's going to say, I never knew you. I did it for you, Christ. No, you didn't. You did it for yourself to try to merit favor with me. Repentance, godly sorrow, turning to God, turning toward God, having a change of mind from unbelief to belief. A change of mind from unbelief to belief. Well, James 2 says, they'll believe there is one God. They'll do as well. The devils also believe and tremble. You're right. Which, by the way, even the devils aren't atheists. They believe in God. And it's sad to say they tremble. You tell most young people nowadays about the Lord Jesus Christ and try to have that conversation. They'll mock you. 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, there would be a reverence, a reverential fear of God. There'd be a little bit of trembling. Nowadays, it's about gone. Devils aren't atheists. They believe there's God and they tremble. But they didn't repent. You know why? Repentance is a change of mind from unbelief to believe. It's godly, coupled with godly sorrow, coupled with a turning to God, coupled with a turning toward God. It's a big word to do in 40-minute Bible lesson. But the devils believe and tremble, and we don't want to have the same religion as the devil. There's a direction. That we're turning to and toward. 
There's a change of mind from unbelief to belief. There's a point in time. Repentance is a point in time when you come to yourself. You realize that you're a sinner. You realize that you don't have work. And whatever else that I can't recall right now that was in Luke and the prodigal son. You realize that you're a sinner and have no worth. You turn to and toward God as your mind changes from belief to unbelief. I hope we unpack that. It's a big word. Repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, repentance isn't faith and faith isn't repentance, but you sure can't separate them. <laughs> a lot of these things are happening so fast that it's hard to put it in. Well, this this. this. Just trying to draw the lens back on the Bible and give you an overview about what the Bible says about repentance. And we've got to preach it. And hopefully this morning we got a better understanding of what it is biblically. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.